You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Stars are out tonight. It's a red carpet event for the season finale of Delta Green. Wow. Everybody got dressed up. Cindy, you look amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Are you going to ask me who, who I'm wearing? I. Who are you wearing? Um, I'm wearing fuck, I H&M. I'm wearing Forever 21, because that's how I feel. Because that's how I feel. (laughs) Oh, God, I want to take this moment uh, to, as we enter into this season finale, uh, and this is the perfect moment to... Thanks, Sydney, for being a part of this season and making yeah. it as amazing as it's been. Thank you so Thanks. much, Sydney. Uh, moments of incredible story, moments of amazing comedy. Uh, Still, I think the funniest in. thing that has been said across yes. the network. <laughs> yep, my favorite I, I thought of it two days ago, out of nowhere, out of the blue. I, I, I can't remember what I was doing. It's like walking to the pharmacy or something like that. And I just, I literally said out loud, like, no, it's worse. He's alive. <laughs> Like, I just <laughs> said it out loud. It's just too. so funny. And I think part of it is that, like, I, I just am so amazed when something like that comes out of somebody's mouth. I'm like, how did they think of that that fast? How is it the instincts, the, the timing? The, the, uh, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an enigma to me. So uh, it was so no. funny. Well, thank you, guys. But also thank you, Joe, for, you know, putting on an amazing fucking game and thank you everybody for being such wonderful players it's so fun to play with you guys i i was thrilled to be a part of it and up until the finale up until whatever happens good or bad i am so happy that uh, i played awesome. <laughs> awesome. isn't this the best part <laughs> yeah. about seasonal shows though like i know a lot of people uh, the listeners they prefer uh, things that just never end but like the season the cliffhanger uh momentum like we do a lot of cliffhangers for every every episode but to know that like there might be stuff that's unresolved here that won't get resolved for multiple seasons uh where grant's running the next season who knows where the story is going to go with this sort of anthology uh that we're we've been doing so i mean to me there's so much uh excitement and pressure but, like the good kind of pressure to do an episode like this i i can't wait as a spectator as well as a player to see how it unfolds yeah yeah i and i feel a lot of pressure too i mean not only you know in the handler seat but also like i'm passing this series off to grant and so there's pressure here in a good way to leave it with uh you know, options, right? To leave it with like things to work with, uh, putty that he can form into whatever he wants. Uh, and it, we've never done anything like that before on our network. This is really, this is totally new ground. This, yeah. this particular season in this episode, it's really neat. You know, Troy likes to start these off with a lot of questions about chicken sandwiches and whatever else. But <laughs> have any of you ever been uh, made to feel like you're set up to fail? Because I feel like that right now. I feel like that so hard. But I'm uh, I'm excited to take it in a different way. And I, I think that uh, this game system is just so wonderful. And there's so many different aspects. There are spy movies that you love. There are action movies that you love. There are There's like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy versus Tenet mm-hmm. versus, 
you know, any type of gamut in this this realm of kind of supernatural law enforcement uh, end of the world. And there's so many different genres. And I, I really, I'm excited and I hope we can do more kind of anthologized things in the future um, because it adds that that little bit of flavor and a little bit of spice that I think we started to get with New Game Who This, playing with new <laughs> players, playing with new systems. And uh, we'll see, we'll see. But we got a lot of unfinished business this episode. <laughs> if if this was the red carpet, Grant, uh, and and I was the interviewer, I would be like, Grant, any uh, any hints as to what we're going to see next season? All I can say is that uh, I did not consult J.J. Abrams on how to set up an overall structure of a story, so it should make sense from beginning to end. Uh, did you consult Steven Soderbergh for your lovemaking scenes? Yes, I did. I also talked to some of uh, Sin Valley's top performers in and out of all the best production companies in Los Angeles. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, uh, I was uh, on the FOD with skid my good buddy skid and uh i don't know how many of you uh watch the fod but we dropped on that that uh skid's interested just so you know so watch your back grant skid is interested in handling some delta green i just Uh, threw my hat in the ring he threw his hat in the ring so what i'm saying i don't want to step on any toes i'm just throwing hats (laughs) (laughs) i step on heads <laughs> I think it's that kind of system. I mean, once you see the way stories can unfold and you see what you like and what you don't like, here's what I would change in my game. It gets you fired up. And uh, I don't know, Sydney, would you have any interest uh, in ever running? You've played a lot of Delta Green before you even played with us. Like, would you be interested in being a handler in a game? Have you done that yet? I haven't, I haven't handled, I've GM'd other, other games and other modules, not Delta Green. And definitely like never say never. And I'll try anything twice. I would absolutely handle, but Man, it's a lot of pressure. Like, I give you such props, Joe, and, like, Grant for wanting to and Skid for wanting to. But it's, like, such an open game of anything can Mm -hmm. fucking happen. And you really have to be so go with the flow. And as a player, it's fun because it's kind of like, haha, you have to figure out now how you you retcon what we're doing. Um, But, like... Yeah, being a handler's hard, man. I don't know. Also, we would make your life miserable. Your life would be made miserable by any other combination of this group as a handler. So I'd go out of my way to make sure. No, I would. Anyone in the handler's seat is going to be made miserable by this group. That's what I'm saying. No, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. I honestly think it would be really fun to handle for you guys because it would just be chaos and and such a good time. I think the good thing about Delta Green though is when stuff goes wrong, it's like game over, you know, like the, Oh, you're going to jail, you know, Oh, your character dies. It's kind of like a no nonsense game in that respect. So I think handling can be a, I don't know. You don't have to be a benevolent GM. How would you categorize yourself as a GM? Are you a benevolent GM? Are you, uh, um, on a scale of like benevolent to Troy, where would you fall (laughs) on a scale of human to Troy? (laughs) Where where Hmm. do you see your GM? No, I think I, I think, unfortunately, like, I'm such a people pleaser GM that, like, if a character suggests something cool, I'm kind of like, all right, we'll fudge it so that, like, we can make this work because I think the idea is good. But if a character is like, I don't know, if you're doing some dumb stuff, I'm not going to be like, yeah, sure, you can definitely do that. It's only if it's like a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. Rule of cool. Mm -hmm. Rule of cool. Yeah. Okay. That's how I GM. Well, these games are a lot more forgiving for rule of cool. But what about you, Matthew? 
Yeah, this is my red carpet question. Matthew, what is it? Uh, how do you feel about getting kicked out of the show so they can just go to four <laughs> players and a handler? I'm surprised, but also not surprised. Your thoughts? <laughs> The all I can say interviewer <laughs> ever. Like all Jiminy Glick. Con- yeah. Contractually. I'm really surprised. But also it's like surprised. It's Matthew on Between Two Ferns. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm contractually allowed to say is some things are going to happen. Some things won't happen. You'll just have to see what you like. Ooh. Well, you'll be missed. god it's so funny like i mean and that's the thing that i i I have to say i love about this game it's the thing that i love the most about it outside of the actual game itself is uh in terms of how it interacts with our network is is this this crew is very busy and everybody's stressed and everybody's got their own shit going on and everybody's also got other games that they're playing on this network and there's just a lot to do to fit in another game in, in, in your life right now. And when the Delta Green question comes up, nobody drops out. Nobody's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I'll skip this one. Pass. You know, like everybody is it once in and it's just because it's that fomo of the dg you don't mm-hmm. want to miss out on an, in an operation where like you could have an effect an impact you could experience that horror uh it's it, it, there's no other game on our network like it there's also it's also the only game that takes place in our world yes so that's yeah. that is a huge appeal for me like grand mentioned tinker taylor's soldier spy like that is the exact kind of game that i would run as a handler Mm-hmm. That would be the, the kind of thing, like that kind of like gritty, down to earth world that you can play in and then destroy it as players. Like that's yeah. that's the fun for me. You know? Well, it's it's like with the different with the different handlers, it's kind of like going to uh, the indie movie house back in the day. Like you didn't know what you're going to see necessarily, but you knew you're going to see something good and outside of what you would see at like a Hollywood multiplex. That's what I love. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with that, everybody huddle up. Because shit's about to get real. <laughs> it's going to be so bad, so sad. <laughs> I'll talk more about this stuff at the uh, at the debrief, uh, the Delta Green debrief, which I, I'm sorry, I don't have a date for, but it should be within a couple weeks of this episode. Um, Junk in the, the trunk? Uh, yeah, the talk oh, back show. God. Yeah, that <laughs> must be what it's called. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, Todd. Todd. Todd, Todd, Todd coined it during Todd yeah. a couple weeks ago. He's like, "Can you can your post show please be called Junk in the Truck?" It's just so good. <laughs> See, that would be great if this was a weekly Twitch show, and then we had a talk back show after every episode that was called that was live. Have the pre pre record the show, but then have the talk back show be live. See, that's. Actually, I'm going to write that down. That's a really good idea. <laughs> That's a good don't, idea. Th- don't threaten us with a good time. Yeah. 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 Junk in the trunk. That's uh, brilliant. Junk in the yeah. trunk. It's like talking dead. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, Except it's great and exciting. It. And, and well, here's the problem. Here's the problem, though. You, you, the handler is basically just going to have to say nothing. Like every week. It's going to be pretty boring. The, yeah, the, you, one shouldn't, the thing, you shouldn't come. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm fine to step out of that one. But the season ends. When the season's over, it's really great to to go in depth into like what could have happened, what could have been done, what, you know, the things that, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll get into it. But, um, the situation that you find yourselves in here, I think a week ago, I think it, it, there's a world in which it feels a little like what just happened? Like we had no, 
idea that we would be in such an unbelievably dangerous situation and we had very little control in in how we got into that situation and what i want to talk about in the debrief is how you did uh you did have control in that situation this incredibly dangerous situation has all been has all come together through a series of small choices all through the season for you guys uh that has led to this moment and uh this moment could look very very different uh if you made different decisions previously uh and that's not even to say that anything's right or wrong because even the situation that you're in right now as horrible as it seems um is not the end all. Uh, there are you know, there are options, uh, but the the, uh, the the horror that sits in front of you as uh, Jordy walks out into this little smattering of bodies to try to draw out the creature that you think is there, and then sure enough is there uh, as this winged angel of death rises from beyond this altar, uh, holding a gigantic boulder, a cut boulder. Uh, it's, it's, it's a horrifying scene to behold, but just know that uh, there's, there's a reason this is happening and there is a way, uh, you know, to, to get out of it, to make it stop. And by get out of it, I don't mean like some cheap way. I mean, you're, you're going to have to fight this thing. Uh, but there, there's uh You've got some, uh, you've got some heavy weapons. You've got some, so you've been, you've been handed an opportunity here to, to at least survive. Uh, but there is more to, than just survival. Uh, can you mentally handle this? Uh, as we were building up to it, I wanted to be clear uh, about uh, Gavin's thoughts, about Magdalena's thoughts, Caesar's thoughts. Uh, I don't know if they've ever been on an operation this intense. I know that Roger and Jordy have. But for the other characters, you know, how difficult is it to uh, approach gunfire? How difficult is it to truly look the fear of death in the face uh, and then walk away from that unscathed? Will you walk away unscathed? Even if you're alive, your life might be over. It's, it's an interesting dynamic that happens in Delta Green, and I want to do my best to explore all of it. So we're going to get into it. It's going to get a little chunky, I think. But I want to try to do it right. Uh, if that means slowing down at times to make sure we get it right, then that's that's the way that I want to do it. I'm usually happy with playing fast and loose. But as I've dug more and more into Delta Green combat mechanics, they're good. They're good. There are there's some vagaries there, as there are with any RPG system. You could always you know point out that they haven't figured out you know haven't clearly written every single scenario uh, and situation. But in this case, I think that there's some interesting stuff that we didn't do in our first season that I want to make sure to keep in mind this time. Um, and uh, you know I'll make mistakes. It, it'll happen, but we're going to try our best to to get it right and see how the story unfolds. Uh, doing it by the book, as they say, quote unquote. So let's dive in. <laughs> okay. Uh, first thing that you should all know <clears throat> is that your uh, initiative in the game is, is essentially pre-rolled. That, that's, that's basically the way that it works. You are, your initiative is tied to your uh, dexterity score. So uh, it's, it's dexterity, right? Or is it agility? Right. Yeah, Dex I think it's dexterity. So your dexterity score, it is, it is tied directly to that. Whatever your score is, that's your initiative. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so you don't have to roll anything, and we just start from there. Uh, I'll give you guys a preview of what that looks like, just so that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to keep that from you. But I, 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 I'll tell you what it is, but then I do want to try to do our best to... Uh, keep actions moving fast. 
I certainly understand that with you guys probably not having uh, any sort of handle on the combat mechanics of Delta Green, which is understandable. We haven't done much of it. Um, you may want to weigh your options, et cetera. I get that. But if I push you, uh, it's because I feel like you've stepped out of the realm of wondering about mechanics and are just indecisive about what your character does in this moment of pure horror and life-threatening shit right in front of your face. That's cool. Uh, and saying, wait, like your character just waits is an action. You can do that. If you really can't decide, just wait and we'll, you know, you can jump in wherever you want. It's similar to delaying an action. Um, I just want to keep that pressure on because I feel like it is integral to combat in Delta Green. You get one action per round in Delta Green and it comes fast and heavy. And as the book says, one of the things that I love, uh, it has to do with the dodge rules when it comes to guns. You can't dodge bullets uh, if there's no cover around. It just has a sentence right after that that just says, and this is why people get nervous when the guns come out. It's like, <laughs> this isn't the kind of game where it's like, okay, we're in another gunfight uh, this week. Are we going to get a good gun combat this week? Like, that's not a Delta Green game. When the guns come out, people die. That's that's how it goes. And so you, the fear should be real and it should be there and you should react as your character reacts. So let's keep all that in mind. Okay. So in that in that moment, I want to bring you to that moment again where this creature rose from behind the altar. It was raining, uh, if you recall, uh, raining heavily, pouring down on you, creating some uh, visibility issues. Uh, it was loud. The strikes of thunder overhead, <laughs> lightning as this creature rose up and uh, and shit just got real. Uh, I told you I will tell you your initiative order. Uh, so. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you what the initiative order is um, among your your crew. Uh, you would have seen this before. You would know based on how quick you all are. Um, the fastest among you is Magdalena. Magdalena would be the first to act among you. Then Caesar. Then Gavin. And then Jordy and Roger actually act in the same moment. Uh, you guys oh. can sort of discuss how that takes shape, uh, oh, but man. you act in the same moment. Um, Those kids are spry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, makes perfect sense. I love it. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, Skid, I want to prepare you in advance, uh, and I think you're totally okay with this. Uh, I'm going to be a little tough on you with uh, your breathing. I think I'm sure. going to have you roll a few con checks to mm -hmm. see uh, how this might affect your actions. There might be penalties, uh, etc. Um, the rest of you, I'm going to keep the altitude sickness as flavor for now. I don't think it's going to have an, enough of a direct impact on your combat. Uh, first thing that happens. This thing rises from behind this altar and you might be picturing in your head like some large leathery flying creature with arms and legs and shit like that that's not what it is that would be stupid of you <laughs> this thing it has wings and they seem to flap but for some reason it doesn't seem like they flap against air it's as if it need the wings are not making it fly it's it, it's hard for you to wrap your head around the head where it is seems to move it moves almost in and out and around its body as it goes into the air in fact in the moments that you look at it you also feel like it might be fading in and out of existence all at the same time so you see this shadow thing come up and uh, you know you may be able to um, 
to feel, you know, like you feel its physical presence. You can feel its energy in the air around you, but you simply don't see it as just a standalone natural creature, uh, you know, even as wild as it may look. It almost seems like it's there and isn't there all at the same time. It's very, very strange. Wow. Um, this complete break with your perception and reality and the fact that it seems and I think you feel this as players that you will not defeat this thing and it could very well kill you immediately <laughs> requires a sanity check from all of you oh boy oh so that's the oh, first man, step Caesar oh, One maybe point. I won't have to maybe I won't have to play this episode <laughs> Oh. So you got to roll under your current, right? You got to roll under your current sand. Oh, for fuck's sake. I just made it. Oh my God, so did I. 35 under 40. I got 51 oh under 53. Oh. Okay. 97 over 53. Oh, oh no. Of course. No. Yeah, you're the one that's out there. You're exposed. Yeah. Okay, Damn. Caesar. 74 over 41. Oh no. no. Breaking point oh, is 40. Oh, this is oh, it. That's, oh, that's right. right. This is amazing. You're already uh, there. Okay. This, and what Magdalena. a great moment. Uh, I made it. It was 45 under 65. Oh, Magdalena is so strong right now, mentally, willpower-wise, holding it together. Remember when she rifle-butted Eileen Parker? She was yeah. right. I mean, Magdalena is not fucking around right now. <laughs> this thing comes up. And you, you hear the crack of thunder. It reverberates through your bones, but you hear nothing from the creature. You hear no howl. You hear no strange sound. You just see it, and immediately it strikes right through your psyche. Magdalena, Gavin, and Roger all take one point of sanity damage. Uh, Caesar, you take four points of sanity oh. damage. Can I, can I project any of this damage onto my bonds? You can. Okay. So in order to do that, you're going to first roll a 1d4. Okay. See what comes up. Four. That's good and bad. That's good and bad. (laughs) And do Uh, I take my bond? Yes, you can do all that. So first, you're going to reduce your willpower by four. Okay, it goes from ten. Your willpower points. Ten to six. Yikes. Oh, man. All right, so just so everybody knows, that's 10 to 6. At 2, you uh, have an emotional breakdown, and all of your actions take major penalties, and you can't really focus. So you tend down to 6, but you take zero sanity damage, which is incredible, because you were right at the cusp of that breaking point. So you take no sanity damage, but how is this going to project? What what are you thinking? Do you have a quick idea? Yeah, I think that uh, out of his father, his friend Vernon, you saw in his flashback in the beginning, and his estranged wife, um, he's going to project it onto Rosalind Wolf, the 55-year-old COO of his company. And I don't know if any of you have read or watched The Boys, but he kind of almost has like a Homelander to Madeline (laughs) relationship. Like he he looks at her as a weird mother type, but also like kind of like the object of his affection. And he's just like, Mm -hmm. he probably has like a weird erotic fantasy in his head to escape the moment of sanity for just a (laughs) moment and then comes back. 
Oh, yeah. And and now that will actually, yeah. And that will actually reduce your bond score with her by four. Uh, Should you survive this? We'll see what shape that takes, what that means for haunter. Oh no. I can't look at her the same way ever again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's go to uh, Jordy. Jordy, you also four points of sanity damage. Um, Now, are you, where are you at as far as breaking point goes, Jordy? Uh, I'm at 49, and my breaking point is 40, 48. Oh, oh no. Okay. You're so, so you, so you, uh, do you want to project that onto a bond? Are your bonds all basically gone at this point? Are you out I've, there alone in the world? I've pretty much burned all my bonds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's so sad. What about the guy at the convenience store? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's your only friend. Hey, that's what you said in, like, episode one, right? My only friend. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, you know what? I'm not... I I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah. (laughs) Hossein. Hossein. I haven't talked to Hossein in a while. Hossein, that's right. Actually, no, no, okay. I will will project onto him. I will project onto Hossein. Poor guy. Okay, so go ahead and roll a D4. Okay. A four. Wow. All right. So reduce your willpower points by four. And which what brings that, you to what? Which brings <laughs> you to what? Uh, eight. Oh, eight. Okay. okay. And then uh, you're, you take no sanity damage, actually. But this is going to destroy your relationship with this guy eventually, okay. in the, you know, should you survive. Uh, and I say destroy because I can't imagine it was that strong to begin with. Um, I'll miss him. <laughs> uh, all right. That is the first thing that happened. Now... It is Magdalena's turn. You get an action. One action. Okay, here's the thing. I am not proficient with firearms. I don't have any additional bonus to it. But I am fast. And since I have the first action, I am going to try to run in a offshoot pattern that does not cross this monster's path, but try to, like, run along the outskirt and get to some sort of entrance to the altar, like some way up there. Uh, Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, You know what might help this a a great deal? Uh, I've been so excited to play. Uh, I've never told, I haven't told you guys at all that I'm having a great time watching this all on Roll20 while while you're not. Oh, okay. Uh, Do you think I'm a little distracted and excited by how this is all going down? Uh... Why don't you, uh... God, I hope... I don't know if there's going to be stuff out here you're not supposed to see. I don't oh, know! No. Here we go! Oh, here we oh, go. No. oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my this looks God. Like oh, my the... God. Joe, the bodies! <laughs> this looks like the video game Postal. Yeah, it does. Like, after the end the of a level. One? Oh, yeah, look at the like, creature. All these bodies, like, laying everywhere. Oh, oh man. This is amazing. Oh. <laughs> The yeah, altar's so far. Everything's so far. Okay. Okay, I see. I see the layout now. The creature is far away. Um, yes, I didn't, very far I didn't away. realize. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Magdalena is going to run up through that entranceway if I can run past Jordy, and I'm going to, like, duck by this body in the corner 
and I'm going to search this body for the amulet. I'm just seeing if it's around. Like, I am just focused on trying to find it. That's interesting. Uh, okay, Mags, if you could go back to where you started, please. Yes. Uh, because there are movement rules. There are, there are limits to this sort of thing. So okay. uh, in one round, you can make it 30 meters if you sprint, if you dead sprint, which puts you into the entrance between the creature and Jordy, nope. uh, but not fully in yet. Uh, is okay, that a distance you think you can cover in one round? Oh, by the way, idea. you would also have to roll an athletics check. And if you fail, you will trip as you're running because you are all out sprinting to move 30 meters. Normally, you can comfortably move about 10 meters uh, in, a, in a round as an action. Okay. Could I instead move... Mm, up to where Jordy is and check the body behind him for the amulet or for anything that would give me a clue to the amulet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Certainly. I'm going to move behind Jordy. Jordy, you're being my human flesh shield okay. right in front of the entrance. You'll <laughs> be safe forever. You move up to check the body. You see the body of a man, white-skinned. You don't know who he is. He's not... Uh, well armed or anything like that uh, he has no official uh, clothing on or anything like that uh, and you go down and and look at him and I mean it's hard to see he looks like put together quote unquote face with his face to the side you know in the muck but there's just blood pooling a, a, a like a little lake of blood underneath him uh, and you see this pretty quickly you go to look and there's no like there's no sign of an amulet around the back of his neck uh, I'll, I'll give you the ability to just sort of like lift him you know even the slightest bit and you can see that his like his neck and down into his chest are gashed open uh, but you don't see any sign of an amulet uh, and that is Magdalena she's now hunkered right behind Jordy as we go in initiative to Caesar <laughs> oh my gosh so with one action per turn this is going to be quite a tricky little situation but I think Caesar remembers the low-end handgun training he received in his off time keeps his pistol uh, pointed at the ground as he himself runs or sprints up to corner at the northernmost kind of um, entryway to the altar and he is okay. going to end his movement there in order to grant himself cover uh, okay, so you're going to run up to that wall and take cover. Yep. Uh, that wall is not six feet high. It is about three feet high. So you can take cover. You just have to squat. Um, and you can be pretty much entirely hidden from the creature uh, with a squat. He does a baseball slide into the wall to get yes. like in the squatting position. <laughs> it's like Gears of I feel War. like we're playing a first-person shoot. I feel like you're playing Gears of War. Uh, <laughs> you run up, slide to the wall, skunk! And he gets himself set up, squared away. Athletics check required for that, or no? N not for that short distance. And I, I trust Caesar. I think he's he's good enough to do that. Let's let's just keep it moving. It's going to be in plenty of die rolls for life or death. That makes it the creature's turn. Oh no! Oh lord! Oh lord! Uh, the creature is going to. Uh, the creature is going to, seeing where you are, seeing the distance, 
the creature just drops this enormous stone. It's just like, it releases it. It falls down to hit the top of the wall behind the altar, and it partially shatters that wall. It's like, like they, as they come into contact with each other, they crack each other as these two uh, great pieces of stone collide. And it's just like, uh, hits, the, hits the deck there. And then uh, the, the creature uh, fla- essentially flashes. Uh, it seems to like move towards Jordy for uh, a second, and then it vanishes uh, out of reality. Oh. And it's just like, swung, and then it reappears uh, in reality directly within the front of the uh Scope of Roger oh, Cumstone, and it's like, and then it immediately vanishes out from under him, and is in, and is appears directly in front of Jordy. So it seems to have traveled between dimensions, popped up in front of Roger, and then changed position instantaneously and popped up in front of Jordy. Roger, I need you to do a sanity check. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> I am adapted to helplessness. Does that matter? No, this is unnatural. This would <laughs> this would be unnatural. Okay. Uh, yeah, this isn't going to be good. Uh, oh, twenty-two. Ooh, I don't know if crits crit. matter, but uh, uh, do you uh, gain any sanity back on a crit? <laughs> uh, uh, actually, you might. Oh Ooh. God. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I rolled a crit. I, I, I felt like I might have I'm read shocked. that one day. My, my current sanity is 39. I rolled 35 and a 22. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Um, uh, yeah, all right. I, I'll look that up in a second. For uh, for the moment, let's... Uh, the funny thing is, like, it might not even be... A critical success means you lose the least possible sand. Um, oh. Uh yeah, so uh so you lose zero in this case. Uh Okay. So it's the same as a regular yeah, success. Yeah, because sometimes <laughs> with really, really bad things, a success you can still lose one D four sanity. And so this would mean that on a critical success you would lose one point of sanity. In this case, that is uh that is zero. Mm. In fact, all of you I forgot, in fact, all of you have to roll this sanity check right now after seeing the way that it moved and oh. knowing that you you get this inter- this really intense internal feeling that it doesn't matter where you are it can find you so like th- that reality shah, strikes you and then you have to roll a sanity check i failed okay did you fumble no okay 94 over 52 okay uh you take one point of sanity damage gavin okay. caesar 31 under 41 Ooh. excellent and Jordy, now it's right in front of you. A 32 under 53. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, Jordy's like, I've seen this shit before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, whoa, 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 it flashes right in front of you, and then it screeches out across your body with a claw. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> 71 is a fail. So it misses. Jordy. Jordy, what did you do? You're an old man. What happened? I think I like, I'm holding up my oxygen thing like in front of my body 
and it just like acts like a shield. It just like rakes its claws across it and just leaves these huge dents in it, gases, and it's just like knocked back. <gasps> and it just keeps like struggling for breath, like more and more, just uh, without a fear and and lung damage. It just it's just barely, barely even able to stand, but he, but he's unharmed by the claws. Yeah, so it, it, it goes past you, then appears in front of you, goes to swing out with a claw, and it, that exact thing happens. However, as it reaches towards you, you see some sort of strange shudder go over it, and it actually seems to recoil from you. So part of that is also it recoiling away, and... You think, based on your study of the occult and what you've been working on and what happened in those pine barrens, you think it's possible that this thing is reacting to the tablet that you have on you, and it's sort of like quasi-recoiling. All right. That makes it. Wow. Gavin's turn. Okay. Can Gavin see where the, like, can I see this crumbled wall back where the creature just was? Uh, yes. So is it open? Like, could someone get through there? Uh, no. Like, behind the altar, you mean? Behind the altar is not crumbled. It is a strong wall. This other brick was dropped on top of it. They cracked each other, but it's still a six-foot-high wall. But it's still a wall. Okay. But this over here is open. Yes, there is an opening on the north side of this little thing that you could definitely slip through. It's, It's part of the ruin of the wall. The wall is not complete in the ruin. All right, uh, Gavin is just going to sprint. I mean, this thing can get to us anywhere, so he's not going to really worry about it. He's just going to sprint 30 meters straight, like, right behind Jordy and Magdalena, try to get to get, to, get across and get around the other way. Uh, and I have to roll an athletics check for that? Correct. All right, let me just move Gavin. So he gets almost, basically almost to where the other, this body is lying at the side. Does he? Well, I guess I gotta figure out my trip, don't I? <laughs> does he? I love he? this. I love Ten. This. Oh, oh, he does. All right. Ten so under do, thirty. So you just see in the pouring rain, walk, 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 walk through the muddy ground. Gavin just starts sprinting behind. This creature is now hovering right in front of and sort of over Jordy, just behind the creature up against the wall. Caesar is hunkered down and the creature is like right over top of him. And then behind these two comes sprinting uh, uh, Gavin over to the other side. Where is Magdalena? I'm sorry, I don't remember what you did. I am between Jordy and uh, Roger. Oh, that's right. You're you're searching the body right behind. Yeah, sorry. I need to zoom my map in a little bit more. Uh, How great is this fucking map, by the way? Yeah, this is Uh, really cool. Is this from that same site from last time? Yeah, the same site. I I forget the name every time. But yeah, it's satellite images. And this is an actual satellite image of a ruin uh, that you can set your game in. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's incredible. You can see the little flowers, like, on the ground and everything. It's, It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And by the way, this has no chance of fitting in Roll20 at its size. So this is about 50% of the map size of, and quality of what you actually get with the file. Oh, wow. It That's is awesome. so, like, down to the grass blade, you can basically wow. see. It's really wow. well done. Because these aren't satellite shots. Did I say satellite? They're drone shots. So the, oh, the detail oh, okay. is really, really good. Oh, cool. Um, and they got a great plug in the show. 
I can't remember what it's called. If we were to remember what it's called, they sure would. You were just overwhelmed by the detail. what it's called. You know what, dude? I love it. Because all the way back in the Glass Cannon days, I was always like, stop talking about people that aren't paying us. All right. Let me see if I if I have this all right. Okay. Boop, boop, boop. All right. Good. Moving moving on. It is... Jordy's turn. Jordy and Roger's turn. So you guys can act at the same time. You can each say what you want to do, and it will occur at the same time. Okay. Jordy <laughs> drops his mask from his face. Yes. As he reaches into his leather, the the, the pocket, the, the vest pocket of his iconic leather jacket, and he pulls out the tablet with shaking hands. And he holds it out it's like Frodo, holding the file of Galadriel at Shelob's face. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, go ahead. Oh, geez. Let's see. Um, let's uh, let's have you. Now, there's really nothing that you can do. I mean, you're just a human being. There's just, you know, you're not a magic man. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you have to yeah. remember, this is not a magic. You're not, you, you guys don't just, like, do magic. You did this ritual. You spent a lot for this. It almost killed you doing it. Holding out that thing, you see it has no further effect, except the creature is recoiling, and the creature seems very uncomfortable. Um, I will lift the veil and tell you that mechanically, bad things are happening to the creature, but you holding it out did not change doesn't that It doesn't make any difference. Okay, it doesn't so make I any see difference. no difference like when it sees the tablet. I'm like, yeah, okay. if you present it or if it sees it, 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 it doesn't do anything, but it, okay. uh, if it's just near it, it seems, it's going to have this effect. Okay. Um, I go back and forth on that. It, it, you can handle games however you want. Uh, you can totally just never tell players that this is happening to the creature or that they had as, as any effect because Jordy doesn't really know. But I feel like Jordy has a really good understanding of a cult and, you know, not that he knows anything about the unnatural in particular, but... I do. Uh, I do. Like, I have, I have, 20, I have 22% in the unnatural also. Yeah. I, so. I, I, we'll go over that. I, the more I've read Skid, the more I think that that might be wrong. I, I don't know. We'll look into it. But I think that if you get, like, if you approach 30, uh, it might even be 20 in Unnatural, you, you're, you can't function anymore. Like, yeah, the yeah. more Unnatural you get, the more you lose sanity. It's one-to-one. It's a really neat mechanic, and I didn't get it right the first time around. But in either case, I think of anybody on this team, Jordy is the one that could know. It's having an effect, but presenting it had no effect, uh, no additional effect. Uh, what does Roger do? But this, now you know. Now does you Jordy know. get another action or no? No, but now he knows. You know, he tried, and now he knows. All right, so Roger's looking through the scope at this thing, and it just jump, jump, jump appeared in front of him, and now it appeared, you know, another 10, 15 it, it meters away. Your aim for a second. It's right. like, whoa, you have to refocus. And now he's refocusing. He's got the scope, and he's looking at Jordy's gas tank. And he's like thinking this would do massive amounts of damage, but could very well kill Magdalena and Jordy. Uh, and so he just refocuses on the creature and takes the shot with Lola. Okay, okay. I want to talk mechanically for one second. Let the listeners know that don't know Delta Green. What would happen if you hit this thing? I'm going to say it would explode, it would be dangerous. In those cases, this thing would have what's called a lethality rating. So it would explode, and everybody has to roll a percentage chance that they just instantly die. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you don't die, you still take 
the two numbers you rolled on the die added together. So like 2d10 damage, essentially. The two right. single digits. Which is enough together. to put everybody below zero. Which anyways, is also probably. enough to, to yeah. kill a character. So, yeah. and it, so to me, it's very real world and makes sense. If you have an explosion right next to the two of them, it can very well kill both. Just the fact that that idea is in Roger's head, though, is it's a volatile thing for the viewer to know that like that could end up be, having be the only possibility that's left. And and I, think, last option. I think I think that Jordy is on the same wavelength as Roger. They know each other well enough. Yeah, and he's Jordy's willing to sacrifice his own life anyway. And he's like this, and they both seen Jaws. So they're both, they're both <laughs> and they're both willing to sacrifice. Oh, that's what, you know what? That's what yeah. I love is that we're not playing uh, a Pathfinder where we have to suspend reality, and the Jaws thing is a joke. Like they we've actually seen, both our characters have seen have Jaws. Seen Jaws. <laughs> yes, right. they've seen Jaws, and they they've talked about it, and they say if we ever get into a situation where you need to put that thing in its mouth. I'll just say, smile, you son of a bitch, and then I'll fucking shoot it. All right, here comes a shot. Uh, I'm braced. I'm assuming, well, I don't want to assume, but I I don't think I get a bonus. I think I'm just bracing to be able to actually use the fucking weapon, right? Correct. And you're going to take a 20% penalty for the conditions. I I don't want to take that. For the uh, (laughs) the rain, the the pouring, driving rain. Okay, Um, nothing I can do about that. In fact, it, the, the creature also has a certain amount of that with the way that it moves. But for right now, it, it clo- as close as it is with your scope, I'm going to say that in the rain combined for a 20% uh, uh, penalty. If I fumble, I may very well explode Magdalena all over Jordy. Oh, no. Or vice versa. That is not an exaggeration. That's 100% true. Here we go. Uh, my 60 is now a 40. They use all, all my good rolls in sanity. I can't even look. I can't even look. It's so intense. <laughs> 90. Oh, oh no. 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 Oh, no. Crack, but boom. This ba-boom. thing goes off. And just wildly wide. You also have to think okay. about, about this scene and how disorientated it is because Roger is using a weapon that has a very long range optic. So when you look down at something 10 blocks away, it looks like it's right next to you. This thing teleported in front of him. He saw like it's fucking crotch hair, like blown yeah. up to the size of his eyeball. And then he yeah. had to like pop back out on the zoom. And then like, you know, it's just hard to make that adjustment. Yeah. That, it, that on the fly, that jump like that was just enough to throw him off. He's such a crack shot, but mm. with the rain and he's soaking wet, the gun's wet, the trigger's wet, and he's just yeah. trying and boom and he misses. And it's also you would also know that you are you do not have the ideal weapon right now at this point mm-hmm. for how close it is to you. Um, you know, it's just not ideal. It's not the, sure, you know, sure, sure. You miss. It's just not ideal. Maybe the AK would have been better, uh, but. You have time to think about this in the in the heartbeats that are going to go by. If anybody has experience thinking in these heartbeats, it's Roger. Uh, Roger's playing all along with one one shot with that with Lola, and then switching up tactics. Uh, okay, sounds good. Um, all right, it is Magdalena. Okay, um, I need to get out of here. Uh, I'm in a very bad location. All right, yep, so. you, you are mere feet from this creature as it swung at Jordy, but it seems to have to have some recoiling effect uh, uh, due to this to the tablet. How does this work with like opportunity attacks? 
is this creature so large that I would be able to like skirt around it directly yeah. in its line? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to full sprint. Oh my Let God, you see. better not fall now. Oof. Let me Ooh. see. Ooh. Well, it's early enough in the episode that if this was being written, she would fall. <laughs> For okay, sure. but, oh wait, athletic. If this was being written, she's been the rock. She's been the rock. Okay. So maybe if this not. was being written, you'd be in Peru several episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't full sprint because full sprint. You said it's thirty. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to full sprint. This is this is storytelling. I can't be scared. I am going to full sprint. Yes. And yes. I don't Good have any you, additional. Good for money. you. Don't make money. I don't have any additional... Uh, I don't have any money, I thought she was going to say. I don't have any money. I need money. Uh, I don't have any additional athletics, but let's see, guys. 30. Let's see what happens. Oh. 46 over 30. Oh, no. Magdalena, no! <laughs> okay. Does she trip, like, at the beginning or anywhere yeah, along? Like, Is it up to it, you? Like, she trips wherever I feel like it. Oh, break all of her oh. teeth on like a stone outcropping. <laughs> Why would that it happen? Truly, though, it truly, though, is so unbelievably, unbelievably brave. She sees that this this body. What are you trying to do? Why are you running in there? What's in okay. her head? Tell me real quick. To me, Magdalena is like, I need to get out of here. She just heard the huge gunshot behind her. She's like, they're firing guns. I need to get to the altar at least. And her plan is like, by seeing the the monster phases in and out of reality, she's like, we're all going to fucking die. Like, she has completely lost that sense of, like, danger. So she's like, fuck it. If it's going to find me, oh well. And she's like, I'm going to run directly through it. Okay. And she fucked it up. (laughs) So fucking brave. Magdalena darts around Jordy under this creature. I mean, she can barely clear it's like hanging talons as she runs past it. There's all this like rock and uh, this old walkway, hundreds of years old, that goes into this little uh, altar area. Uh, it's it's all jagged and sort of different sizes and everything. And she is going full speed. And just as she's about to cross over into the area of this sept uh, or, or, or area that's within the walls, she trips and falls and goes head first into the grass just beyond the entrance. Magdalena, I want you to put yourself a full 30 meters uh, of your run. It is at the very end that you fall. She and falls, collapses onto the ground, hits into the grass, maybe just catches her chin on a little bit of stone right at the edge, and it's just, ah! And the rain is coming down on her face, and everything stops for a heartbeat. As she hears, (laughs) what is this crying? Oh, no. She slowly raises her head up from the muck and looks directly to her right mere two meters away from her to see a man sitting in the corner the back corner of this altar holding on his lap 
his former partner, you see a sobbing Scott Wiley holding David Greer of the CDC, who has been ripped from shoulder to gut and around Scott Wiley's neck. You see the amulet of the sun. <gasps> it is Caesar's turn. Oh, oh my God. Caesar. What do you do? You see this man who is normally so uh, enamored with worldly possessions, status symbols, and the like. And his normal inclination would be to run for safety. But in this moment, you see a flashback in his mind of a little boy running through a mansion across... Persian rugs and fine hardwood floors and he's holding a dandelion in his right hand and he's just running and toddling and he gets through the kitchen and up the stairs and he opens these two huge oak doors and runs into his father's desk and behind this massive bureau he attempts to hand his father flowers and his father slaps them out of his hands and says get out of here clean that up now boy and then he cuts back to the future and he remembers handing Jordy the cocoa leaves and bicarbonate right as they were in the van <laughs> trying to deal with his altitude sickness and he sees a father figure as tenuous as it may be he sees a young a older man being kind to him and he knows he has to stay and there. appreciative of Caesar's value yes yeah. and he knows I didn't hit you near as hard as your real dad <laughs> and I had some turkey <laughs> afterwards and I washed it <laughs> <laughs> um, and Caesar knows he has to stand I know Caesar's uses and they off you <laughs> He has to stand and shoot and give some cover. He told Jordy he would have his back. Oh, my God. You're going to shoot? Yes. With what? With my uh, medium pistol. We had a little discussion before the show. Here it comes. Nine milli? Nine milli. Nine mil. He pulls out a nine millimeter. Black, black, black. That is a 24 under 29. Oh! God, what a fucking hero! That is 1d10 damage. That's what's nice, is that you keep... You don't have to have too many die in this game. Uh, That is going to be five points of damage. Okay. Five points of damage. Okay. Uh, I can tell you from a metagame standpoint, it does not all go through. Okay. Mm. What would Caesar know about that? Nothing. But I can tell you, uh, <laughs> you didn't do five points of damage, but you did hit it. It seemed to do something to it. Um, Does blood come out? Any sort of ooze? Uh, yes, an ooze, uh, like a black ooze, eases out, and you see as the ooze starts running down from its side, you can catch this Caesar in an instant, even in the pouring rain. It, it's too warm for it to be steam. There is some sort of vapor coming off of the ooze as you as it's bleeding out of this wound that you just made. Uh, and yet the creature, not a sound. It is the creature's dead! Oh boy, uh, here we go. Here it is. It's showtime. Uh, the creature is going to I'm gonna roll uh, I'm gonna roll luck roll here. Uh, but in this case, it's going to be 51 or higher, Caesar. Uh, 50 or lower, Magdalena, as oh, she no. approaches the holder of the amulet. <sighs> oh, no. 
Oh god, this is horrible. (laughs) This ain't Baron's show. 72. As it turns to Caesar and tries to rip his face off and shut him in the first place. (laughs) This hideous claw comes scraping away at you. 95. Oh my god. Ducks down as this claw comes swinging, and this creature just into the rock, and it shatters the rock next to you into shards as it just like breaks next to you. Uh, And uh, it is Gavin's turn. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, So. This is, is not creature? Pathfinder. You have no idea what's going on, where Magdalena is. What do you do? Yeah, is the how how tall is the like how far up is the creature? Like, could I run under it, or is it like on the ground? You can run under it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gavin has decided he just doesn't have enough time, and this thing can appear, blink, and appear anywhere it wants to. So he's just going to try to sprint directly under the creature and into like get as far as he can. Uh, he, can you sprint and do you have to sprint in a straight line or can I sprint and turn? You can sprint around the corner, but be aware that you don't move as far as a straight line, right? So like, uh, let's say straight line would be 26 meters. You don't actually go 26 meters to get there. You have to go here first. Yeah. So you say you got to do so 16 18. and then this would be 30. So this is kind of the most you can so move. I get to the threshold. Okay, cool. You can get to about four or five meters behind Mag- where Magdalena fell. All right, I'll roll my acrobatics. Which means right. you would not see Scott Wiley. You would not see the amulet at that stage. You're just booking. I think he just see, he saw Magdalena run in, and he's like, he, she's right. She's got the right idea. I'm just he's going to follow. Eighteen. Oh under, wow! Under. It's amazing. Hopefully guys, under thirty. Okay, you guys are oh. doing great. You're doing great. So, so um, Gavin sprints. Underneath, he sees the creature like reach out to try to swipe Caesar and miss, and like slam into the stone behind him. And you just run, 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 and just kind of like ducks under the creature's like massive wings, turns and dashes into the bottleneck of the building to right behind Magdalena. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, uh, okay, you're in there, Jordy and Roger. Same time. What do you do? Jordy, do we do it? Do we? Can you drop it and run? <laughs> uh, well, I can try, but I'm not going to make it very far. Yeah, no, I don't think it's too dangerous. Yeah, you can start setting up that, but well, you do what you want, Jordy. I'm up. Roger's just looking through the scope, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Jordy, okay, Jordy is good. He doesn't know what's happening inside the the building here. He doesn't know that they've seen the amulet, so he is just—he's going to hold his oxygen thing like up over his head. Take it, you son of a bitch! Oh my god! Roger. Um. So right at this moment, as Jordy holds this oxygen tank above his head, I don't know what everybody's thinking. But I do know that uh, that Caesar is right there. I also know that Caesar went out of his way to describe how important Jordy is to him in this moment. I also know that I don't care if you kill Caesar because I Grant is really freaking me out. 
because his camera is broken and he looks like the creature. Uh, he keeps skipping oh, that is, in and out of reality. Is. Oh, God. That, yeah. This is like Matt's headroom. It's yeah. horrible. Oh. It, it is literally... Watch Grant. That is what the creature is doing. That's, that's it's Matt's headroom. All right, so yes, if I were to fire at the tank, Caesar and Jordy and the creature would all be in danger. Uh, I figured Magdalena was clear, but Caesar's in there too. It's just Magdalena is clear. Gavin, you reason, is clear. Actually, actually, I'm sorry. I might have spoke too soon. Let's measure it. I just read an article, by the way. Caesar is clear. May I? Mm. Uh, Human remains were found within a radius of a 25-foot area of an oxygen explosion. I found an article about an oxygen tank exploding, so it's about 25 feet. So you're you're wait wait wait, wait, wait but yeah but does that mean that uh, twenty five feet is like oh but that's not meters sorry yeah yeah so that's um, uh, so eight meters is clear uh, what I was going to say is uh, six meters is the lethal explosion oh, of okay, this an explosion. and you are eight meters away from Jordy's tank great okay. yeah, actually so you're closer to nine me. meters away. It would just be me and the creature. So, yeah, go for it. It would just yeah. be you and the creature. Oh my it's God. just, it's so hard because, like, he's seen this creature miss twice. He sees Magdalena and Gavin. He's looking, he's watching everything, like, through a, a, a scope, just watching this all unfold. Magdalena and Gavin are in there. He feels like they have more time. Like, there's no. There's no reason to go for the kill shot here. He's just... Oh, God. The other question is, Joe, does this become like a called shot with like an oxygen tank? Is it like... Absolutely. So it'll be minus 40, just so you're aware. Uh, It's minus 40. Because of the rain and the oxygen tank, it combines to be a minus 40. It's a called shot. Wow. Um... Yeah, I'm not going to take the shot. I think I'm so Rog- nervous. Roger, he's got the he he he's got the um how many meters am I away at this point? Let's see here. I'm about 20 meters away. He's got this thing lined up. I think I'm going to switch to the AK. Can I switch to the AK? It's, I've got these guns like strapped around my neck. Switch to the AK and get off an automatic burst? Uh, yes, but it could equally kill Jordy, just so you're aware. How? If I fumble? Uh, if you do, no, if you do the automatic burst at all. So the automatic burst is, on a success, going to automatically possibly kill the creature uh, and do 2d10 damage. Uh, Jordy also has to roll that against that lethality because he's within the range of the target. Uh, he's within a couple meters of the target. Uh, well, the lethality is only 10%, so it's a, the odds are really good. But he would still take 2d10 damage? Yes. Ah. Now, you can just do a single shot at the creature. Right. Uh, at minus 20%. Uh, or you can just... Basically, the best option for the spreader opening it up is like you have multiple targets you're trying to hit. Right. If your allies are in there... It's tough. Um, so it doesn't but, do more damage, per se. Uh, or it does. Well, it, does. it does. It does. I yeah. mean, the, the gun does 1d12. Uh, the lethality does 2d10 minimum. Or it could just kill the Outright creature kill it. in one shot, one round, one turn. But uh, but it will definitely hit Jordy. But Jordy's at the same risk and yeah. could very well die from it. It's a, uh, it is a real difficult choice. 
I mean, well, I, t- I guess I don't want to put it that way. Like, why would you want to kill Jordy? But in a desperate situation where you know Jordy is like, if you have the shot, take it. You know, it's a hard choice. Yeah, but I mean, it, is there a benefit to me using the AK? I feel like I might as well just stick with Lola. I'm going to take the same penalties, right? Uh, you or will I not take the same penalties? Yeah, right now you will take the same, just twenty percent penalty. Yes, uh, but if it gets any closer to you, uh, you won't be able. Your magnum will be ineffective. Your sniper rifle will be ineffective. All right, so as long as it's right there, I'll just I'll just fire again with Lola. So this is now. I missed once when Eileen Parker was coming at me. Roger doesn't miss. Okay, miss once there. Gets a shot on here, misses again, and it's just like he knows he only has so many opportunities left with this thing, uh, weighing all the possibilities in his head, uh, knowing that he could just aim for the tank or go full automatic with the AK on a quick switch. He's just like, no, I'm going to bear down. This is what I do, and he's going to fire Lola. Okay, here it, here's where it does come up, though. This is your third shot. You've okay. got a five-round clip. Yep. Okay. The AK has a 30-round clip, I believe. So, Yeah. Well, might as well use it or lose it. Here we uh, go. This isn't going to go 34 rounds. Uh, uh, just combat. <laughs> it, firearms, and then what is my penalty? Minus 20%. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> 89. Oh, my God. Oh, like they're not even close. They're so wildly high. Oh. I think it was 97, 90, and 89. It's just crazy. Why? <laughs> Why do you think? What's he thinking? I think going through Roger's head like he knows. He, he All along, he knew. If it came to a showdown with the creature, it was... He, he, like it's it's an unwinnable situation, but he doesn't want to kill everybody in the chan- in the hopes of maybe killing the creature. He's trying to do the least amount of damage possible, but everything's running through his head. He's having these war flashbacks, and life his life is flashing before his eyes, and it's throwing him off. I think he's also maybe running, acting counter to his normal instincts, mm. and so and that's tripping him up yeah he's he is like changing his mind for the good of everyone to like keep people alive and i think it's throwing him off normal mo oh by the way you can also take an action to aim uh it's oh that's right this is a terrible situation but you can take an action to aim and get a plus 20 percent on your next roll yeah they would have all been misses even with the aim uh yeah that is true yeah, you know, I think it's 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 Roger's paternal instinct kicking in ever since that phone call where he's just like he sees these people and he realizes that they matter and he's grown close to them and he can't just let them die. God, this is wow. why Roger's so much better than the colonel. Okay. He's very he's a complicated <laughs> character. A complicated character. You see Scott Wiley turns to Magdalena, who has fallen in front of him, and he's just like no I didn't know and he's hyperventilating and you see this horrible fear in his eyes and he just looks at you and he's like and he's spitting he's drooling down his own mouth and he's just like you have to you have to run you have to run 
and he screams, run. All of you hear this voice come from somewhere else. Magdalena, roll a sanity check. Because the fear in his eyes is enough to break you at this moment. Oh, no. I wish I was there. (laughs) Dang it. Ah, that's more. 85 over 64. Oh, wow. Close. 85 over 64. (laughs) Oh, dear, Magdalena. Oh, my dear. You take three points of sanity damage. Are you at a breaking point yet? Because if not, you should check off helplessness. You got another one in helplessness? I don't know. Everybody remember that. Sorry, I forgot to say that before. That first sanity check. Nobody hit a... But you know what? The ones that that, that, uh, pushed it off and took no damage, you do not get a check. You have to take damage and not go uh, to your breaking point, and you can get a check in that realm. So Uh, I only have one in helplessness then, right? Or I have two? I don't remember. It's the whole season. So, like, I I just don't remember. Oh, oh, oh. So you you have to keep track of it, like, before it gets to your breaking point. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just Um, one of those things. One of those clerical things in RP tabletop. RPGs, uh, but like for example, Roger is immune to or is uh, inured to helplessness. So like, if this guy looked at him and was like, Run! "Roger," like it, it wouldn't affect him. It, you know, he's seen too many men break. He has seen them. You know, and it doesn't affect him anymore. Uh, that, but he has other problems that came from that. So anyway, really interesting mechanics. Love this game. Um, that. Uh, that is his round. That is his turn. He actually has a turn, and now it is Magdalena's turn. Uh, all right. So yeah, she Magdalena. takes damage. How does this damage manifest? What does she think when he do- screams in her face that he, he uh, she has to run? Well, I think for a minute she's shaken, and you know he's right there. He has the amulet, and for it's a right split there. second she's like, "Run! Like we should get out of here! Like that monster, this shit!" And she's like, she looks back. She sees Gavin now behind her. And she's like, when the fuck did Gavin get there? Like, it's just so chaotic. The rain, she's bleeding. She's like wiping her mouth. She's like, I'm bleeding. Because she also hit her face. It's like so disoriented. Yeah, she scraped her chin really bad. Yeah, like so confused. But then she kind of snaps out of it and looks at him again with the amulet. She's like, no, we're not running. We, We came here to fucking destroy that. And it's right there. And I'm going to... She's just going to, like, run at him and, I guess, try to, like, grab it or grapple him. Okay, great. So, uh, go ahead. So, you're going to scramble up, okay? You're going to roll a melee or unarmed combat, whichever you want, whichever is better for you. Um, And uh, you will take a minus 20%. Because of the scrambling. You're coming up from prone. So I'll let you come up from prone as part of the action, but you take a minus 20% on the attack. You're slipping through the mud. And also, you're all over the place. So take a minus 20%. He is going to do an opposed roll for his action. He is going to... This is his instincts, like sort of kicking in his his just natural instincts. He is going to fight back. So he will roll his uh, unarmed and attempt to fend you off and uh you could take damage you know and you could damage him so it's 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 an interesting situation uh let's roll it out okay this is gonna be hard minus 20 um yeah no 72 over blah with the minus 20 30 (laughs) oh 72 over 30 he rolled 
a 72. I shit you not. Whoa. What? Wow. Yeah. So you you guys both fail, but you basically like like lock forearms for a second as he like tries to defend himself pathetically, but you're slipping as you're trying to grab him and you just sort of like knock into each other and now you're there's like a scrum. Uh this is fucking amazing. So wait, is, does Ty go to the runner or is just it, nothing happens? Well, they both failed the check. So like nothing happens. If somebody no succeeded result. the check and ex- and the other person failed, she could uh, get a hold wow. of it. But she failed. So she does not get a hold of it. You guys are just scrambling right now. Nobody's hurt, but you do not get the amulet. It's Caesar's turn. Caesar, you know that about 15, 20 meters away from you, Roger seriously considered murdering you. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) The thing that really changes his mind is hearing run and a bit of a struggle around the corner without knowing that there's an amulet there. He, but yeah, but he hears somebody else's voice. Very yeah. clear. So hearing someone else and knowing that our mission is to get the amulet, there's right now this monster could appear anywhere. It's kind of a just like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't situation as uh, um, we were talking about earlier. So Caesar's going to go ahead and run in. Can he get up to the struggle that's happening based off yeah. of his distance? Yeah. Okay, do you need a roll from me? No, you're fine. Okay. But that's uh, your that's your turn. Yeah. So he sees what's happening. He sees just a mud caked, bleeding from a chin, Magdalena, kind of struggling with this other just terrifying body, and it's ready to pounce and intercede yeah. next time. So Magdalena, uh, 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 yeah. So Caesar comes around the corner. He sees Magdalena struggling desperately in the pouring rain. With <laughs> This guy you know is Scott Wiley, who you first saw at an autopsy in Long Island days and days ago. And this guy, his eyes are bloodshot. He's got blood on his face. He's like, ah! Uh, and you come around and, and see this, this scene. Uh, the wielder of the amulet, the wearer of the amulet, is in imminent danger. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh no. Oh no. That's when the winged creature vanishes and appears directly next to Magdalena. Oh no. And it comes in. I'm so sorry, Sydney. It comes in with a bite, which it has not done yet. Oh no. What are you using? It comes down. What is this? It comes down on your head with a bite. On your head. Oh, and I'm going to warn you, a successful roll here could kill her in one oh, shot. So here we go. Oh, oh, my God. But, I mean, it's just, it's poetic. She's been the one that, like, had this great turn towards the end of the series. And then she's the first casualty. We'll see. Here come the die rolls. I'm going to roll my bite score. And I want to get under it. I'm talking to my dad right now because he's like, now he's in combat. He's like, what is happening? I'm going to try to roll under my bite score, dad. Here we go. And if I do, Magdalena's in serious trouble. I think my dad really likes Magdalena. He doesn't care much for Gavin. It's fine. Gavin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Papa O'Brien. Here we go. Let's see what we get. Oh, Mags. Oh, no. 82. Oh 
I fail again. Oh my, my god. This is going to be a four and a half hour episode. Thank God. It's just <laughs> not my fault. rolling the dice for this. Thing. I cannot believe. Cannot believe. These are, I have no penalties. These are so easily hittable, and I'm just oh. missing all of them. Oh my uh, God. So, Magdalena, it comes down at you. It's pure luck. You don't even know the creature's there at the moment. You're struggling with this guy, and in a class, in, a, in an inspector gadget moment, you just like move out of the way as part of the struggle. And its bite comes down and just snaps the air next to you. And now you can feel its its vibrating power around you. Uh, And it is Caesar. No, it is uh, Gavin's turn. Okay, I want to shoot Scott Wiley. Yes. Yes. But the muzzle is going right up against the amulet. Yeah. Am I allowed allowed to like lean and shoot? Like what you, I don't know what the action economy will let me do here. So that's my goal is to shoot Scott Wiley and to give myself the best chance of hitting him without having to aim. So you tell me what I, what I can do. Okay. Yeah. You will take a minus 20% on the attack. Uh, that's impossible. And What's that? It's impossible. I mean, then my, what's my fire? I mean, that's a zero. I have a zero percent chance. Of, of <laughs> okay, hitting. so so you have to aim. You know what I mean? That, that's basically because he is struggling hand in hand with Magdalena. You are not the hero from the action movie that just one shots the guy who's taken the hostage in the head while he has the hostage right next to him. You could just hit Magdalena. So yeah. I, how like, about this? Uh, I'll let you roll uh, it, but on a miss. You could hit Magdalena, so that's the option. Well, you can't. You have no option. It's a zero, right? So it's, it's a zero. zero. Um, at a minus twenty, it's a zero. At a minus twenty, it's a zero. Your only so chance you can, is to pose so the creature and meet it in court. <laughs> you have a chance to take a breath and aim. You also have a chance to shoot the creature. You also have a chance to do melee. I don't know. Yeah, did you, did you take a machete? I didn't, but I'm just gonna. I'm gonna uh, rush in. And just get into the fray. Like Gavin is standing there, his like hand is shaking with the with the pistol. He has no chance of actually. He he knows he'll never hit this guy without he'll possibly hit Magdalena. hurting Magdalena. Uh, so he's gonna just try to. He's just gonna rush in, and try to beat the guy on the head with the pistol, and try to like. And the same thing, I like, grab for the amulet and just beat at the guy like a rabbit, like a rabid animal. Okay. Well, there's two different things. You can only do one. You can either hit the guy with the gun or try to grab the amulet. Grab the amulet, unarmed combat, hit the guy with the gun, melee. All right, I, I have a better unarmed combat, combat, so I will try to grab the amulet. Oh, come on, okay. come on. Get it. So Gavin dives into the fray and tries to claw the amulet off the guy's neck while Magdalena is struggling with him. They're locked in oh, combat. Yep. Caesar just jumped in too. Now here's a fun part of the mechanics. His role that I did to defend against Magdalena also defends against you, but oh. it was a very bad role. So you still have right. a chance. 72, but that, yeah. that rolls over to every attack that's made against you in that round. So you have a good shot here. 17 under 40. Yes! Oh my God. Yes! How are you guys rolling this? I know, I know. Troy and I, like, uh, it was just Eating like shit. over eighty or over seventy-five at least. Uh, oh wow! Okay, I was like, I rolled it. and I was like, shit, seventy-seven. And then I turned, I turned the die so I could look at it. And I was like, oh, it's a ten. You go into this scrum, you, scrum. You've got a gun in your left hand. You ah, with your right hand, and you He's get screaming. Old. He's like, ah, 
mother. You go in and you get a hold <laughs> of the amulet of the sun. Instantly, your skin starts to burn off. No, I'm just kidding. You just grab the amulet and but you and you get a hold of it. But that's the action. You get a hold of it. Oh my god, Jordy and Roger, same time, man. Same time, man. I don't know you. Let me ask you this. I'm looking through the scope the whole time. Can I see into there? I mean, it's an impossible shot. But can I see that Jordy just grabbed something off of somebody's neck and is holding something in his hand? Uh, I, so Sorry, so you mean Gavin. And, Gavin, I'm sorry, uh, yes. Uh, and uh, no, you can't because he's actually around. Gavin ran around the corner. Yeah, he's but right. You see, you see uh, that they're all focusing their attention around the corner. Uh, so I'm just looking. I'm using the scope to see everything. If, you can, I'm sorry. You can see Gavin. You can see Magdalena from your angle. You can't see Scott Wiley. He's tucked in the corner, and they're scrambling but forget at something. about Wiley. Do I see that he's pulled something off of his neck? Do I see he the hasn't handle? pulled it off? He only he had. It. He just grabbed he's it. Grasped That's it. it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's an impossible shot. I, I'd, I'd have an easier time hitting the gas tank, but. Also, Jordy, I'm what one, do we do? I'm 100. The creature's 100 percent going to hit me next round. <laughs> Joe's been, Joe's been, Joe's waiting for his. his uh, well, I just want to make my dad happy, Matthew. <laughs> also, the creature is actually it's, finally it's, far away enough for someone to actually take a shot with a scoped sniper rifle at it. So I think luck's going to turn your way this time, Rob. You know, but I, I'm not getting any mechanical. It's still a mechanically difficult shot because of this visibility. Well, I will go ahead and take the shot then. I've got two bullets left in Lola. I've missed Eileen Parker and two shots on the creature. I've got two shots left. Uh, hopefully I can hurt it. Minus 20? Minus 20. Seventy. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh god! Good fucking lord! Jeez. I've been rolling oh. the whole time between turns just to see, and the I mean, not surprisingly, the rolls are all over the place. I rolled a hundred, then a two, like, but it, it's just not happening for Roger. I mean, story wise, it's it's perfect, but uh, it's so frustrating because he's got one bullet left, so that's the one that's going to hit, right? 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 What does Jordy do? Jordy is he flashes back to a time like 15 years ago another rainy night of rain falling like this one he's standing outside his uh, ex-lover Diane Lane's house in Santa Monica <laughs> screaming for her to come out is it Laney Laney and he gets into a scuffle like she comes out trying to get him to shut up he's drunk and Josh Brolin comes out tries to get him to leave <laughs> and he starts and he starts trying to antagonize Josh Brolin and he's just like, what, you pick the kid from the fucking goodies over me? This is, look at you, this fucking loser. You got beat up by Johnny Depp for 21 Jump Street, for Christ's sake. This is who you pick? And he punches, <laughs> he punches Jordy right in the face, like knocks him out cold. And they ended up, and Josh Brolin and Diane Lane divorced, like, the, the next year. <laughs> so he's remembering, like, how he can antagonize people that way. So he's holding the tank over his head. He's like, come here, come on, it's me, you what? You leathery son of a fuck! And he's holding the tank over his head, shaking it, <laughs> wheezing, barely able to stand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. It's Scott Wiley's turn. He is operating now on 
just some instinct that he cannot part with this amulet. He cannot let it be taken away. Uh, and so he is going to put his military training to use against this law student <laughs> and try to arm bar you like bang, just like knock you off of the amulet. Now, what did you roll? Did you roll a 17? Is that what you said? I rolled a 17 on armed okay. combat. Do I roll right. again, so or is that, that, that is my roll? That is your roll, but it, it still acts as a defense against this roll. Uh, I have a chance, but now anything below 17 will not work. So I have to roll above 17 and below my score. Be- below my unarmed combat score. Okay. So I have to hit a, a tighter target now. Here we go. Does he? This would be so shitty if he hit this roll. I know. (laughs) 29. (gasps) Of course. Of course. Of all the rolls. That's worse than getting gored to death. It is. It's worse. It's worse. (laughs) Of course I roll that one. Joe's going to roll the worst story roll. No, I think it's great. He fucking knocks you off of the thing, Gavin. You had a hold on it, but it's slippery. It's pouring rain, and he knocks your hand off of it. This desperate struggle for the amulet, for the thing that you believe is keeping this creature here. Magdalena, it's your turn. What do you do? Okay, I'm not fucking around. Magdalena has taken the moment. You know, she got thrown off, too. She was all messed up and disoriented. I am unsheathing the machete, yes. and I am going to melee combat into this dude's chest and hit the amulet directly with the machete. Yep. And that's what I'm going to do, Joe. Yep. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Just kill this I, guy. You I mean, just, the monster is right there. Like, I have no, there's no you other You have options. to take a minus 20%. I'm sorry, but it is a called shot. You're not trying to hit him anywhere. You're trying to hit the amulet. You have to take a minus 20%. It's the rules. It's the okay, rules. Wait, wait, wait. Can I just say I'm trying to hit him anywhere? Yeah, you could just say you're just trying to do damage to him and not take a penalty, but then you don't necessarily hit the amulet. If you're trying to hit the amulet, you have to take a minus 20%. What is your melee? You said it was good. It's fine. It's better than nothing. It's a it's a fifty. So with the minus twenty, it's a thirty. Dude, t- to save everyone's life and the world, it seems worth it. But okay, I'll try. I'll what, try. I, I'm just from my chair here. I'm just I'm just saying. I didn't roll so well last time with the minus twenty. All right, let's see. Let's see. I'm going for it. Machete bottle coming cap. out. Bottle cap. Bottle cap. Bottle cap. Bottle cap. <gasps> twenty. Six. Oh, my God. I'm stunned. Holy <laughs> shit. I'm <laughs> shocked. First thing I need you to do is roll a 1d8. Okay. This is the damage that oh, this thing does. Oh, the damage to the amulet. I need a different you guy. have to Hold get on. over the clay amulet's hardness. I'm just kidding. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even bring dice to the session. I have my, <laughs> my excited. We never roll other dice. Are you kidding me? That we never true. get a chance. That's true. To be fair, she All hasn't right. eaten an entire hoagie this recording, so she may be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only rolled a two. Does that mean I rolled a two? I don't know what that means. I know what it means. It means you bring this machete down and it just 
squaring away for the amulet and you connect exactly with the amulet right in the center of its little sun, the, the sun artwork that's on the front of it. And we see it in slow motion, super slow-mo as each drop of rain. You're cutting through drops of rain as the blade is slicing down towards it. It connects with the amulet. The two points of damage means it breaks the amulet. Oh, and touches the edge of his skin, but the amulet pretty much prevents any significant damage to him. It basically touches the edge of his clothes and his skin, and you see the tiniest bit of blood, but nothing severe or lethal comes from it. But yet the amulet breaks, and in that moment you feel a strange as if like the very reality around you is shifting and changing. You have done something. It is Caesar's turn. Oh, come on. Oh, man. I've been reading the agent's handbook right now, and under athletics it says use athletics to hit a target with a thrown knife or put a grenade exactly on target. Caesar would like to think back to the trendy bar he went to in Brooklyn with hatchet throwing. <laughs> and he wants to reach down to the machete on his side and use his athletics to just... <laughs> the guy right in the chest. Okay. Okay, so if you will allow that to happen. Reaches down, throws Kill out... Wiley? Yes, at Wiley. Well, oh, okay. well, I mean, it's a minus 20%. Okay. That's better than my handgun. That's Cause, uh, yeah, because he's still in it with Gavin and Magdalena. It's it's a tough shot. Here it comes. Come on. 24? 24? Oh my god. Twenty four yes. under thirty. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> this is All awesome. Right, so Caesar throws a machete. It's like <laughs> head, um, head over heels, whatever. It's a <laughs> whips around and then goes into the shoulder of this guy. Go ahead and roll one d eight. Kill him. Kill him. Max damage, eight points of yes! damage. Yes! <laughs> eight points of damage. Oh <laughs> and immediately he stops, all sort of like fighting against Gavin. His arms drop to the side. He looks up into the rain and into the sky as his... <gasps> and blood starts to, to well up from his mouth and out of his mouth as the, the, uh, the blade goes in, but he's still alive. Oh. It's the thing's turn. This no. shuddering thing all of a sudden starts to get this like translucent sort of vibe to it. Roger, you're looking at it through a sniper rifle scope and you can see almost through it for a moment. You see mountaintops in the distance and then it's there and then it's gone and then it is actually gone. It vanishes for a heartbeat entirely before reappearing in an instant over Scott Wiley, wrapping its claw around his head and ripping Scott Wiley's head and spine from his body in one move. And taking his head and spine, the creature vanishes. Into nothingness. Everybody roll a sanity check. Not Roger. Not Roger. He didn't see it. And not Jordy. Oh, oh, two. Oh, nice. 73 over the 61. 35 under 51. Okay. 53 over 41. 
Ooh, two fails. Two fails. Magdalena, you take three points of sanity damage. Caesar, you take three points of sanity damage. Oh, no. Now, do I... Can I project once a day, or that's... Do I no, just you can take do it this? again. Okay. You can do it again. Gonna harm, but I, I might get into... What is it? At two willpower points, really bad stuff happens? And you're well, rolling yeah. a D4, right? Yeah, rolling a D4. Yeah. No, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what mechanically is happening right now. Right now, if you want to resist it, you will hopefully avoid having a mental disorder. But if you do, you will avoid that at the cost of one of your bonds. So okay. either you take the disorder or you ruin a relationship. That's what's happening right now. Your willpower, it's not going to kill you. So based, th- that's sort of your trade-off. Based on story, I think after that little moment thinking of his father, this one is going to be stressed against Augustus. Uh, one. So I reduced. I still have, I still get the disorder, right? Because I only... Re- yes. 39. So you reduce oh, your relationship with your father by one. We'll see how that manifests. Willpower you, by one. You reduce your willpower by one. Yep. So I have five willpower and 39 under 40 sanity. So I'm just at my breaking point. Oof. And you break, which means you're fine. Everybody seems... You seem fine to everybody else. But it looks like you may not come out of this super clean when you go back to your real life. You guys did it. You destroyed the amulet. You banished the creature who took, you took its price for losing control from Scott Wiley. And you're standing there in the rain looking at each other all these people dead and you managed to survive it in the one situation where Roger could help he did nothing (laughs) did nothing (laughs) Roger steps out from behind the wall has this enormous gun wrapped around his neck and he unslings the AK and just starts Loading up the corpses with bullets. And he finally hit something. Any corpses around, he just starts filling them up with bullets, and then he takes the AK off and cleans it and lays it next to the one of the bodies. Puts its hand around the trigger. Puts his hand around the trigger, make it look like it was some sort of like drug fight or something yeah, yeah. well could have been for war. the amulet yeah do we recognize any of a the priceless other... artifact remember it's a priceless yeah, yeah. artifact do we recognize any of the other bodies uh just david greer from the cdc that's in the corner uh scott wiley and you know eileen parker is down the hill but let's let's leave that for now let's just fade out as Roger sets this gun down and we fade to black. I want each of you guys to tell me what happens after this. Because for now, all of this horribleness that was left there, we could easily play another five sessions 
of just you trying to escape South America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could do that, but this isn't that game. Not today. I won't bore you with the details of our amazing escape. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But today, we're just going to end this this story, the, uh, the story of this operation. Uh, all of you survived, which is amazing. And I want to see what you guys have in store for your characters or what you think, uh, how they're affected by this, what happened when they left. And I might have something to say about it, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, let's start with Jordy. Jordy, who stepped out in front of everybody uh, twice. I mean that. And then two other times he held that oxygen tank over his head, willing to give himself uh, over to death in order to destroy this creature. Uh, who understands, you know, from what we saw at the end of um, at the end of uh, season one, you know, uh, somebody who understands what's at stake here and and is willing to give his life for it. Uh, he survives again, despite all odds. I never ended up having you roll uh, any constitution checks based on your um the difficulty you would have breathing because you didn't really do anything that strenuous. You know, you stood there, you held up the thing, you, you, uh, you gave yourself over to it and you managed to survive. What, what happens to Jordy? Do you think, I think, uh, I think he collapses like right, right as the creature dies, like he collapses. I think he probably needs, he only survives via emergency medical attention in Cusco, but he does survive. He gets back to the States first thing he does is he goes down to the neighborhood corner store where his last remaining friend Hossein is and Hossein says hey haven't seen you in so long what's been going on and Jordy just loses it on him just hurls invective after invective at him it's personal stuff hurting him deeply <laughs> the point where Hossein is just like get out get out of my store Jordy grabs a rack of comic books like throws it down on his way out of the door wheezing still wheezing into his into his oxygen he gets back to his brownstone in the Bronx and he immediately goes to his safe and he pulls out his manuscript that he's been writing for Dune with which he's infused all of his unnatural experiences mm-hmm. to the point where this is this mind twisting manuscript that would destroy the brain of anyone who saw it. Can't Letting this thing get out in the wild would be disastrous for mankind, he thinks. So he starts typing away at it in his old typewriter and he, including the experiences that he's just had of this creature, that it fuels him with a new, a new bout of creativity. And he leans back, and he thinks, "This might be done. I might have finished this thing." And he wow. gets up to get a celebratory cigarette, and all of a sudden, his chest feels like it's been it's being stabbed by a thousand knives made of fire and he clutches his chest and uh, he catches his breath in his throat he's like uh, 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 and his left arm goes numb he knows exactly what this is so with sheer force of will he, he forces himself back across the apartment rips the manuscript off from the table with great effort tosses it into a trash can and as his vision dims he grabs for his he grabs for this for his for his lighter and he's like no no won't catch 
and then it goes black. And that's the last we see. <laughs> oh, man! God, I'd hate to follow that. Grant? <laughs> you see the son of the amulet as it was before it was broken, and then a cross dissolves into like an orange sun beginning to set at the end of this battle. And then you hear the blades of a transport chopper. You see an MI-24 Russian hind and Peruvian Air Force <laughs> adornment over the horizon. And you hear Otis Redding. Sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting when the evening comes. Watching the ships roll in. Then I watch him roll away again. Yeah. And then that fades in, but you still hear the music in the background. And you see a 70-year-old man leaning out the side of this hind Russian helicopter with these enormous binoculars. And he pulls the binoculars down away from his face. And it's the liver-spotted old face of Augustus Bridges, Caesar's father. He pulls a radio over and he says... I guess the boy wasn't good for nothing after all. And then that dissolves into the side of a Huey transport helicopter flying over Vietnam with a much younger Augustus Bridges. And you just hear, watching the tide roll away. Ooh, I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. And then you hear over his shoulder as a large hand grips the younger Augustus Bridges' shoulder. This is a Delta Green mission. If you get lost in there, there's no plausible deniability, and your family will not be informed of your whereabouts. And then he kicks him out the side of the helicopter down. And then it so Caesar's father is Delta Green? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. And then it cuts back to Caesar, and he just hears a helicopter in the distance and looks up and is, like, lost in this moment and not sure what's happening, gathers himself, and, ha- like, puts his arm under Jordy. You know, that scene already happened with him being stabbed in the heart, but he helps him walk away towards the medical attention he needs. And that's his scene. Amazing. Awesome. Gavin? I think Gavin kind of stumbles into his apartment that he shares with his boyfriend, Calvin. You know, it's late at night. He's, 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 he's been cut up, so he's kind of looking totally shell-shocked and totally this totally vacant look on his face. And Calvin and his friend and law school study partner, Tanya, are both sitting there, and they look up and they're like, what? What? Where have you been? Like you haven't. Like we thought you were dead. We called the police. Like what happened? And he doesn't really say anything. And they they try to get it out of him, but he can't. He doesn't really speak. And he's like, I just need to rest. I, I got mugged. I got mugged. And he goes to bed. And then cut to a few days later. We're back at that little little little, little shop in Chevy Chase, Maryland. <laughs> unassuming the unassuming building in Chevy Chase, and. Gavin is there down in the basement with all of these other figures hooded and wearing hooded robes. <laughs> and they, you know, and their, their kind of faces are peeking out beneath the shadow and they all look at him when he walks in and he says, I want to know how to find someone. <laughs> and because black. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Magdalena. 
Magdalena goes back to Philly, back to Fishtown. Um, she takes a league of absence from uh, from Hitachi. She's like, cannot go back there yet. Can't be in the office. Can't show my face. Um, says it's like a family emergency. And she's most excited to get back to her best friend, Lacey, because that was like her strongest bond. Um, but Lacey, like, absolutely loses her shit on her. She's like, where have you been? You're texting me shit like, feed my cat. I may not come back. Like, what is wrong with you? And then you don't answer <laughs> my calls and my texts. Like, what's going on? You're you're being super weird. And Lacey thinks she's like doing drugs or something. Like, she has no idea, but she's like, something's wrong. And she can't tell her. She can't lie to her, but she can't tell her. So she doesn't say anything. Uh, and Lacey's basically like, you know, if you were my friend, you would talk to me like a friend, but you're not being a friend right now. And like, I'm out until you talk to me. So like Lacey's out. Magdalena can't go back to work yet. She's kind of losing her mind in her apartment. Doesn't really know what to do. Doesn't know how to act. So she hits up her old hacking, cracking group, Atomic, who she hasn't talked to like since early, early college days. Um, and she gets back in with them and she kind of reconnects with them. They start doing like DDoS cyber attacks. They're going against political figures and foreign governments and she's basically focusing all her energy on that now and mm. it's keeping her sane and it's keeping her head above water but she's kind of falling into like a different realm of maybe negative uh, self-sabotage stuff by mm. getting back with them but uh, so yeah. wait, she left Hitachi no she just took a leave of absence okay um, so a family emergency must type be thing. nice <laughs> <laughs> Salaried, uh, they trust her. Uh, yeah. No, she, she she'll have to go back eventually. But now she's kind of falling back in with Atomic. She's making some money. I mean, she's doing some serious uh, hacking with them. So mm. fade to black as you know, blue screen. She's at her computer before and, that. Uh, before that. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> we cut to Hitachi, where this uh, this leave of absence is happening, and interspersed in this scene, we see two guys, obviously feds. Obviously, federal agents. Trench coats. It's it's March, late March. It's rainy. It's kind of chilly. Two guys in suits and trench coats, G-men, standing in the office of your boss. Door closed. Talking. And he's giving them the, I, I don't know, I don't know. She's She's on a leave of absence, showing them everything. And the question is, we want to know where she is now. <laughs> Your boss is like, I, it's, I, I don't know. And they're trying to strong arm him. We'll bring you in for questioning. If she turns up around here, or if you keep sending her any sort of paycheck on this leave of absence, you'll be answering to the federal government. Guys like, no way. I, we won't pay her. That's fine. Well, you know, she's done as far as I'm concerned. Like, he's just really freaked out by these guys. And they're like, we're going to find her. And then we're going to find out if you're involved. <laughs> and that fades out. And then it comes up Magdalena, blue light on her face. She's <laughs> hacking away in some basement somewhere, some fucking dungeon, <laughs> hacking dungeon. And what, hacking. Is, what is the final scene we see of her? Just, just that, just the blue light. I think, yeah, it's just, you know, cans of Red Bull and coffee cups and whatever all around her setup. And she's got like, you know, two dual monitors up and one she's chatting with all the atomic people planning the next attack, doing whatever. And the other just, yeah, constantly coding, constantly typing. Yeah. And it just fades out her just 
constantly pouring herself into her work. <laughs> Roger Comstone. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. <laughs> we see a wide shot of JFK Airport. A Steven Soderbergh film. Steven Soderbergh film. <laughs> Uh, the terminal door is open, and Roger steps outside of the terminal. He's got a brown leather bomber jacket, blue jeans, and a two- or three-week-old beard covering up his face. He reaches, into a, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a fresh pack of smokes, rips the cellophane off, goes to grab one of the cigarettes, but instead of turning it and putting it back in as a lucky... He lights it up and smokes it. Ooh. Cut back to inside the terminal. And imagine just this, like, faraway shot from behind of Roger standing alone in front of the big board with all the arrivals and departures. And we just, like, slowly pan in, looking at him from behind, staring up at this board. He looks at uh, flights to Baltimore. He looks at flights to Puerto Rico. Flights to Europe. All over. And he's just staring at all of them. But his eyes are inscrutable because he still has his black wayfarers on. <laughs> a Delta Airlines employee walks over to him and is like, uh, excuse me, sir, are you, uh, are you looking for your flight? Roger just barely turns to her and shakes his head. No. Oh, well, that's no problem. Where, where are you heading? Where are you going? We just close in on Roger's face as he stares at the big board. From there, we cut to a close-up of a package in someone's hand being carried past a fence. We pull back to see a mail carrier holding a package, walking up to a house surrounded by a white picket fence. She closes the gate behind her and walks up to a quaint Cape Cod home. Mm. She rings the bell, and after a moment, the door opens, and a man answers. It's about 40-something dressed in a polo and khakis. The mail carrier hands him the package. The guy signs for it, closes the door behind him. As he walks into the foyer, now we're inside of the house, he looks down at the name on the package and goes over to the stairs and yells up, uh, Cal! Cal! You hear the sounds of little footsteps pound overhead as a young boy, about ten years old, comes bounding halfway down the stairs. Oh, whoa. Guy's like, you got a package. The boy grabs the package excitedly and starts to run back upstairs. And the man says, hey, your mom's going to be home from work soon, so wash up and be back down here in 15 minutes. And the boy's like, yes, sir. Young Cal takes the package into his bedroom, a bedroom full of various Baltimore sports icon posters. <laughs> Ray Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Johnny... Johnny Unitas from the Baltimore Colts. <laughs> and of course, his namesake, Cal Ripken. Oh, no. <laughs> oh he leans down and looks at this package awkwardly. Uh, it's taped sort of haphazardly. The address is written in marker, but there's no return address. Cal reaches down, finds a seam, and pulls at the tape. He opens the box, and inside is a bunch of sports memorabilia. An old Baltimore Orioles pennant, 
some plasticized newspaper clippings from the 1970 World Series and the 1983 World Series. <laughs> a couple of baseball cards and screw cases. One, of course, being a Cal Ripken rookie card. He's packing peanuts all over the floor as he's reaching in and pulling stuff out. And it looks like he's pulled everything out, but then he notices something at the bottom of the box. And he moves some of the peanuts inside, reaches in, and inside is a chunk of stone. It looks like stone, maybe clay. It's a big chunk that looks like it belonged to something slightly larger. There's weird markings all over it. (laughs) And there's a hole bored into it and a leather lace like running uh, through the hole around it to kind of turn it into a necklace. So Cal takes it and puts this amulet chunk over his neck. And that same voice from downstairs is like, Cal, let's go. Your mom's home. And the boy just turns with a strange look in his eyes. (laughs) Blackout. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. Amazing. wow. Wow. Fade up. See a grand ballroom. Beautiful chandeliers everywhere. Uh, It looks like a bunch of rich people, men and women dressed in finest, you know, tuxedos and and, uh, evening gowns. They're walking among uh, linen-clothed tables and chatting in small groups. In the distance behind them, we can see out of focus uh, a banner, a big LED screen, uh, podium. All of it is faded, so we can't actually see what any of it says. Uh, The camera comes to rest on a bar area where we see Augustus Bridges. He's leaning over this bar, and just as we reach there, you see the bartender hands him a cocktail. Gustus takes it, and in that same moment, somebody steps up behind him, similar, similarly dressed, similar age, white-haired, older man, black tuxedo, black bow tie. He comes up behind him, he says, McCallan on the rocks. Augustus turns, recognizing the voice. Good evening, Senator. Augustus, how are you, my friend? Augustus says, I hate these things. He says, hey, me too, but necessary evil, right? The senator receives his scotch and turns to face Augustus again. I wonder if you might talk to somebody for me. Meet somebody. Augustus says, what? Who? A friend. She's doing terrific work for us in defense, and to be honest... I owe her one. He looks off to the side and makes contact with makes eye contact with someone calling them over. She said she wants to meet you, and I, I agreed to make the introduction, so come on, humor me. Ah, here she is now, he says. Walking into frame is a tall woman, forties, of North Indian descent. He says Augustus Bridges. Dr. Rebecca Thornhill. Dr. Thornhill, dressed now, we see her in her evening best. She clutches a small purse in her left hand and reaches out with her right. Good evening, Mr. Bridges. This, you know, is the woman you met in the recycling center. She shakes his hand. 
Hmm. Augustus grunts for a second, looking to the side, and then turns and says, Senator, would you give us a moment? Senator looks perplexed for a second. He says, Yeah. Yeah, sure. I just wanted to make the introduction. He smiles, walks away. Rebecca Thornhill looks across, big smile on her face. And while the smile stays, you can see her mood changes as she says, We need to talk about your son. Blackout. <laughs> Fade up on a small underground shop in ba- outside of Baltimore <laughs> where Gavin comes walking out. Uh, we don't know what he's found yet. Maybe nothing. Maybe something. He walks down the street to a little city parking lot that he parks in, pulls out a fob. Beep, beep. Opens the, unlocks the door of his car. Opens it to get in, and uh, it's late in the evening. Might not even notice it at first. But as he sits down, he turns toward the gear shifter, and sitting on the passenger seat is a manila folder. He's no idea how it got there or what it is. He closes the door, turns on the interior light of the car, grabs this manila folder and turns it over. Nothing written on it, but it feels pretty heavy. He opens it up and pulls out a thick series of photos, photocopies, photocopy documents and photos. They look like surveillance photographs. Most of them are black and white. And everything in here is dated as we see him flipping through from anywhere from 1995 to close to the present. And then he starts looking closer at some of these documents and we see that they appear to be referring to some occult organizations. Heavenly Dawn, the Pillar of Hope, the Column of Light. The pictures seem to feature a particular person over and over again. A man. A young man. Looks like a a preacher of some kind up in front of people. And despite it going through various years, the man, though his haircut, facial hair may change, he seems the same age throughout. Suddenly, Gavin freezes. All the papers and photos slip from his hands and spill to the floor on his feet except for one. Dated 2013. The picture shows the same preacher at the center holding a pair of snakes to the face of what looks like a follower. We slowly pull into the edge of the frame the face of this follower and captured in a moment of pure agony. We see the terrified face of Dr. Lyra Westover. Oh, shit. <laughs> End of season two. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, whoa. Man. You guys. What an ending. Oh, yeah, you guys. Oh. Damn. Just wow. fantastic. Wow. Join us awesome. for the debrief. We'll talk it all out. There's so much to discuss. I am excited for that. I'm going to be there for that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah we got to make it happen. We got to get yeah. try yeah. to get as many as we can. Get yeah. them live. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, yeah. And so much to talk about. And uh, can't wow. wait for Grant to to run season three as handler. Stay tuned yeah. for season three. We'll have announcements for when that's coming. I uh, just can't wait. Thank you guys so much. It was awesome playing with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at jointhenation.com.